This podcast is a discussion of Christian devotionals and self-help books, and is intended for entertainment purposes only. The ideas discussed on this podcast are adult-themed and come with a blanket trigger warning. The intent of this podcast is not to attack any person who uses or gifts the materials under discussion, nor is it intended as a critique of the author. Rather, it is the ideas and messages we feel are being expressed in the materials that are being reviewed and examined with expletives. Welcome back, everyone, to Goddamn Devotionals, the podcast where we break down the harmful ideas and messages found in Christian devotionals and self-help books. Separating the bull from the shit just for you. I'm JR. And this is JP. And in this episode, we're continuing Waking the Dead by John Eldritch. Still in part three, the four streams, we are (laughs) on the third stream, Healing Today, which is chapter eight, Deep Restoration. Not just surface level restoration. I was going to say, we're, we've done counseling. Is it counseling and discipleship? Mm-hmm. And now we're on to healing. Okay. Now we're on to healing. So we're going to add another stream to our consciousness and let the concept of healing dribble over us in this chapter. John reminds us that we've all been wounded in the battle that is life. Yep. We need to, need to jump right into the uh, uh, militaristic talk. Yes. As a personal example, While John likes to write, sometimes he feels ambivalent about it, and that's probably because he sometimes experiences imposter syndrome, which, in John's words, are the lies of the enemy. I'm sorry. So far, what what he's described in his different experiences with people not listening to him and taking his advice, he does not strike me as a person who struggles heavily with imposter syndrome. I'm not a mental professional in any way, shape, or form. Now, imposter syndrome was the one word I put on what he was describing. Oh, okay. Which is the whole, I'm unworthy, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know... Like, I'm not making fun of imposter syndrome. That's a real thing. What John's describing sounds like that. Okay. But... He doesn't call it imposter syndrome. He calls it believing the lies of the enemy. Of course. We're going to attribute a spiritual source to uh, mental, emotional health. Yes, exactly. What he means is there seems to be conflicting parts of ourselves. I get that with John. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like (laughs) one of the two different things at the same time. Almost like we aren't (laughs) wholehearted. (laughs) John assures us that, yes, our hearts have been broken. He illustrates this with a story. Out of a a, movie? About a person with OCD. We don't know if this is a real story or not. This is just anecdotal evidence. Mm -hmm. Some person with OCD, apparently they had, because of some sort of childhood trauma incident. Okay. Just like that person with OCD, we don't always know why we do weird things. But Jesus promises to help us. Is that a quote? Uh, not direct. No. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to double check. Like, <laughs> did he? We don't know why we do weird things. <laughs> but don't quote me on that. Okay, could have been my bad interpretation. Of I was it. just curious because I'm going. Wait, oh man, what? Yeah. First, we're calling people with actual mental health weird, mm-hmm. and then we're relating again or conflating spiritual issues with mental health issues mm-hmm. and we need healing and we need healing we all do <laughs> not normal things apparently do <laughs> for john <laughs> we are all neurodivergent 
non-typical, non-normative. <laughs> yes. But that's okay. Jesus promises to help us. He'll take the broken pieces that contribute to our poor mental health and put them back together and fix us because it's those broken pieces that are the sources of our troubles. Those are what compels us to do the things we don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Like have bipolar disorder or anxiety or be gay or chemically dependent. You know, all the symptoms of a broken heart. I'm going to go find a wall to bang my head against. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to diagnose when there's only one underlying cause for everything. Maybe I'm going to digress and we can edit this out if you want to, but... So I came across, someone I know was very close to me was telling me about a story, or telling me about an experience that they had had with a large church back in the Midwest. They were visiting the Midwest for a revival of some sort, I can't remember what. They stopped off at a fairly large church that holds a healing service at one of their small chapels, and there was a, a father who'd brought his son in, and they continued to bring him in. Um, his son has Down syndrome. It's a, a chromosomal malady that makes his son different. What they were telling me about this was they were trying to desperately pray healing over this young man so that he would no longer be Downs. And that his father just kept praying that he just wanted his son, that he wanted Jesus to make his son normal. Yeah. Which is so sad because the, the idea kid is that. normal thank for you. him. Yes. <laughs> and, and, well, and when I tried to explain. To the person telling me the story, having worked with special needs students, um, young adults and, and adults, these are wonderful people. They are just as friendly, fun, all kinds of interests. They're just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. They just have, their genetic code is written a little bit differently, and it causes issues. They can everybody be a little has to deal with. Yeah, they can be a little too trusting. They can be vulnerable. They can also be wonderfully expressive, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, just like everyone else. And the sad part was, in my, in my mind, I'm hearing the story and going, his father's going, I want my son to be normal like everybody else. I don't want to have to deal with, you know, my son having this spiritually derived malady. And I tried to explain the idea of this young man's grown up his entire life, living the way he lives based on the way he was born. And I said, you imagine if somebody were to come along, change this person to being like everybody else, and the amount of trauma that that young man would go through now seeing the world the way the rest of us do and having to try and basically relearn life at, I think he was in his mid-twenties. You're asking for full healing to make him normal is like asking him to be a completely different person. That's the really sad part. That's the, because the amazingly dad, sad part. First, the dad sees him as something broken to mm. be fixed. Yeah. He's not accepted and loved for what and who he is. He's seen as something that needs to be changed. And so this kid has grown up throughout his whole life, whether he has, whether he recognizes it or not, with a dad who does not love him or accept him for who and what he is. Mm -hmm. And that is what John is 
saying we need to view other people who are like that as that particular viewpoint is what we need to have of this world anybody who doesn't fit the happy shiny people motif (laughs) anybody who doesn't smile all the time anybody who isn't happy all the time anybody who isn't gung-ho for god all the time yes we have struggles but anybody with serious mental or physical health issues Those people are broken and need to be fixed by God because there's something inherently wrong with them. We cannot accept them or love them for who and what they are with their anxiety, depression, bipolar, whatever it is. No, we need, and I I love how he includes gay in there as well. mm, Or, uh, you know, people who use alcohol or other uh, intoxicants, other chemicals to cope with life which is a very traditional idea around this time that everything can be fixed with right thinking if you just change your thinking a little bit different rhetoric and you'll be fine but the thing is he's not advocating a change in thinking people who grow up in this society with anything that deviates from society's norms already view themselves as broken and something wrong with them he's doubling down on that by Mm. going yes there is but the fix isn't go get yourself therapy go get some medications go get yourself some counseling go dry yourself out at a rehab center none of that none of which will be provided by the church either no no it's well god will fix you yeah yes there is something wrong with you but the fix isn't anything the world has to offer the fix is some nebulous being who doesn't have a physical outlet on earth you might as well have just told somebody go get leeches your your humors are out of balance yep it it's so disappointingly simplistic it's it's, it's yeah it, it's infuriating because you go people come to christ they come to the church they come to faith and religion looking for an answer a solution to not just the great problems of the universe but the problems of everyday life and to create problems that here we have a solution it's the one solution it's the only solution and while i can appreciate that from one perspective it's so limited it's so simplistic that it doesn't solve anything because it puts it back on you you have to be the one who becomes the initiator of your own healing. Sorry, I'm, I'm, am I getting ahead yeah, of no, your no, hand? No, no, you're leading right into the next thing. Okay. Like, Jesus to the rescue mm-hmm. means you trust him not to heal just your body, but mm-hmm. also your heart and soul. However, it comes with a caveat of don't let your pride and fear keep you from the healing stream. This is still on you. The stream's there, but it's your fault if you don't jump into it. John used to think that he didn't need Jesus, could do it all on his own, which is why he's a perfectionist. But he asked God to show him what was keeping him from the stream of healing. God, of course, spoke to him, took him through some memories. John saw that those memories were what broke him, and he stepped into the stream, got counseled by God. Counseling wasn't enough to keep away this self-doubt and fear for good. He needed to go deeper and get a personal healing. So, there you go. It's his fault that he's not experiencing full and complete healing. Mm. Well, you're still hang on 
You're, it's, it's like saying to somebody, Hi, yes, you don't want to be healed. You're hanging on to your own pain. Therefore, you're, you're the one at fault for this. You didn't ask for this wound. You didn't inflict this wound on yourself. Maybe you did. But whatever the case, you're hanging on to it. Yeah, Majan used basic counseling techniques like inner child work and attributed that to the Holy Spirit healing him. So he seems to think that you can't put your pieces back together without God. And he uses the movie The Matrix to illustrate his point of you have to unplug from your past trauma in order to heal. Good on him for trying to make a leap with a metaphor or uh, an example of unplugging, but the idea it doesn't, I'm sorry, for those of us who have seen the movie, it doesn't work. What he's talking about there is um, an interesting battle or struggle. You can try and sever your ties to your past, but you're still going to be confronted with them over and over again. Um, And maybe that's the point he's trying to make. Well, yeah, I mean, he's describing, like, inner childhood work, which Mm -hmm. is a technique that presupposes that we all have an inner child who needs love, acceptance, protection, and involves us as adults addressing our inner child during therapy to help heal any past hurts, discover hidden personal needs and desires promote healthy growth as an adult, you essentially, you kind of parent yourself by going back and addressing those parts of yourself that as a child, those needs that weren't met and the things that we learned as children. Okay, I'll I'll give him this one. I I think his his actual movie example in this instance, I think I might have been trying to jump the gun on (laughs) (laughs) on this one. This one may actually fit what he's talking about. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with him. Like, that's a good technique. It's healthy. Like, that's great that he actually puts out a good technique. However, yeah, he doesn't call it what it is, and he doesn't say any competent therapist can walk you through how to do this. Mm -hmm. Go find a therapist that can help you do it. He goes, no, no, this is what the Holy Spirit does for you. Oh, and that's, again, going, if you're trying to deal with childhood trauma, if you're trying to move forward in life, a lot of times... Even for periods of time, professional help is necessary. But he doesn't encourage it, you to go get professional help. Yeah, doing it on your own is something that you're encouraged to do within the Christian community a lot of times. So, so well, get, get involved in a community, a small group, a pastor, a mentor relationship. But most of the work is going to be you. Which, in therapy, yeah, you still got to show up. You still have to put in the work. But somebody you have somebody is- who is trained, knowledgeable, and hopefully with your best interest at heart, depending on your experience with different therapists, is helping you kind of walk through that that process. And while leaning on the Holy Spirit sounds really good for a book, you could also end up mistaking that still quiet voice that the New Testament talks about with your own inner monologue. <laughs> Telling yeah. you what you think is probably the best, safest, or most comfortable option. So he spends the rest of this chapter trying to relanguage this t- technique into Christianese, mm. complete with references to you being responsible for some of the trauma too, i.e. sin. Okay, gotcha. It's your own choices, your own decisions, your own fallen nature yeah, that leads somebody, you into this. Yeah, somebody else might have initially traumatized you, but your sin 
helped solidify that trauma and bring it along. So you're responsible-ish, too, for some of the trauma that you have or some of the ways that you've dealt with your trauma. For somebody who's actually gone to school for counseling or says he's gone to school for counseling, he really does a absolute fuck job of twisting good counseling. That does seem like a very piss-poor approach. To blame somebody? Like, that's a very church... Christian church approach. I don't know if it's exclusively Christian, but a very religious approach, well, I should I, say, of I've well, given you're the, at fault, too. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in this instance, at least, of going here. You have to be responsible for your own choices, your own actions and interactions. You can't just say, well, somebody did this to me, and that's why I continue to do horrible things to somebody else I know or care about. I agree. I'm not I, trying to... I, I didn't think you were. I just yeah. I figure I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He says he's, you know, done counseling. I go, okay, well, you want whoever you're working with to be able to at least take responsibility for their decisions, their actions. But you still have to get down to the bedrock of, okay, yes, maybe this comes from something, maybe it doesn't, but you have to move forward from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, okay, how are we going to be changing our thinking going forward? That would be a professional giving some advice uh, or some direction, not you're listening for a quiet voice of the Almighty to go, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> If you do, you'll go to hell. (laughs) So not only do our non-typical symptoms come from childhood trauma or our own sin, John also reminds us that the enemy can also set up camp in our wounds and dig them deeper. Sometimes we can compartmentalize and ignore the wounds, or we can agree with negative self-talk. There's lots of reasons we might not be completely healed, but we've got to be healed. Otherwise, we can't live in freedom or victory. So with a final Lord of the Rings excerpt inserted in, John promises to talk next about the enemy. So I guess we're going to go there next, too. So discipleship, counseling, healing, and now we're going to be talking about... The enemy. Yes, we're going to plunge into the stream of warfare next. Do you need to be healed to go to war, or you have to heal up from the war? I feel like the, we might, <laughs> might be getting a few things backwards, but I don't know. This chapter's know. <laughs> been different. This chapter's been a little interesting. I've had to kind of really wrap my mind around what is he trying to say. Um, maybe I came in a little too primed to be like, oh gosh, this is going to be another shallow chapter. There's some. There's some actual things that seem like they could actually be good in this um, and and healthy advice. But it's couched so much in this spiritual warfare or spiritual mindset that... The help gets lost within the language. Spiritual counseling for physical ailments or physical counseling for, for emotional ailments. It seems like he's missing the mark. You're presented one technique ish Mm -hmm. but it's not presented in a way that's actually usable it feels like a pitch meeting for i offer a counseling service if you're yes finish this book please sign up with one of my licensed counselors yeah yeah this book is not replacement for therapy in any way all right well we're gonna leave this chapter here help us continue to merge the streams by subscribing (laughs) leaving a review letting a buddy know about us Our contact info is in the show notes. If you would like to tell us about a time when you experienced 
this type of twisting of therapy techniques into some sort of spiritual Christianese and how helpful that was for you or not. Word I mean, maybe advice. we've got it all wrong. Maybe yeah. maybe this is helpful for people. I don't know. Do not treat your pastor as a crisis intervention counselor. Is <laughs> is something I would recommend. <laughs> right. All right. Well, as always, take care of yourselves and bye. <laughs>